Welcome to the Great Base Tennis Podcast. I'm Andy Fitzay, your co-host, alongside Steve Smith. This is episode 35, and it's doubles part two. We're still talking the dubs. 35. Let's get going so we can get done in uh, three hours and 35 minutes. Sweet. I was thinking 3.34, but... Robbie Seguzo. Robert Seguzo. I've known Robbie since he was 10. Hmm. Robbie Seguzo. I could have a podcast on Robbie Seguzo, his family. Actually, uh, Carla Navarro, Wojciech, I talked to her the other day. She said she saw him at the Delray Beach Tennis Center. Um, Let me just say this. Robbie, number one in the world for five years. Mm -hmm. Very easygoing guy. Well-liked on the tour. Obviously, he wouldn't have become such a great player if he didn't have that button to push for intensity. Mm -hmm. But when he's watching juniors play, easygoing Robbie Seguzo, and someone plays a lob volley, (laughs) <laughs> he goes ballistic, goes ballistic. And the point being is what wins at one level won't win at the next level. Right. And, you know, he's, I just remember him time, time after time when someone would do that on tennis court, he'd go bonkers and say, if you do that, the ball's going to come right down your throat. Yeah. Uh, likewise, and Shilcott, Mark Spans, mother of the late Ann Shilcott, mm-hmm. Angela Buxton as well. They're in my notes. How, just to go through it, they both uh, changed the way they taught tennis based on having um, Anne working indirectly through me be- because I trained her son, Mark. Mm-hmm. Mark Mark is somebody, our tennis alumni, that we should down the road get him on a podcast. Yeah, He uh, was part owner of a club up in Philadelphia and now has a lifetime in tennis. Both Ann Shilkut and later Angela Buxton, who also is now no longer with us. Wimbledon champions, it's very easy to see how people are maneuvering on the tennis court. Yeah. The subtleties of how someone's hitting a low forehand volley is a little bit different. Mm. Um, so technique and tactics, uh, we need to emphasize technique is so, so important. Someone's um, got a really a lot of calculation is going to be very difficult. Say, for example, someone has a racket face that's really open on the backhand side, the backhand volley, and the racket's going downward, and you're saying, close in, close in. It's difficult for them to close in because the racket's going downward, angle the racket face up, angle the racket path down. So it's very difficult for the the player to move in. Yeah. So many times a coach is right when they're saying, you got to be explosive, you got to close in, but you do have to deal with the technique first. I think like, You've said this often, you know, to be able to serve in volley, you got to be able to serve in volley. And when people have those types of volleys, the technique that requires more calculation, the answer basically is that they don't go to the net. (laughs) I think it's sad when Big Bunny came into tennis, the top players for the most part stopped playing. We touched upon that last time. Borg with Davis Cup. Mm -hmm. I mean, Connors winning Wimbledon, winning the U.S. Open. I think a Tom Gullickson in charge of the Davis Cup, Pete Sampras, who's just specializing in singles at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the famous Davis Cup tie against the Russians where you put, you just put Pete in the doubles. Yeah. Uh, we touched upon, you know, Federer winning the, the Olympics with Warinka. Mm-hmm. Um, Nadal, it's a different story. Nadal, he's from a different planet. The way he plays doubles is um, certainly more raw athleticism. Yeah. And I think that, you see that many times in college tennis where, well, 
my players, their ground strokes are better than the volley, so we're going to stay back and just take ground strokes. Or right. My players' ground strokes are better than my opponent's volleys. Uh, we're going to go with winning. Yeah. I think it should really be development. Um, Jack Sock, to put, touch upon Jack Sock, and just go through these different names. There's something to be said about all of them. Years ago, I would have never guessed that Jack would have excelled at doubles. But when you think about the points being over in so few hits, great, yeah. great serve. Good serve. He's aggressive um, with, you know, supposedly he has more RPMs on his forehand than Nadal. People playing pro tennis, they'll serve to his forehand so they can volley. They'd rather go the, off the speed with their forehand, with their serve going yeah. into his forehand then volley into his backhand. Well, if you have calculation to make on your volleys, you know, and he's hitting a shot that's coming in with a lot of spin, it's even more calculation has to happen there. So it's tough. With calculation, I think of spending time with ATP pros, especially here in the U.S., I think they spend more time talking about the numbers from fantasy football or the numbers from the ATP pension <laughs> than necessarily tennis math. Mm. Um, the calculation that players have on their volleys um, is one of the reasons that players don't go in. Right. Um, so I was saying it's just, you know, they figure it out pretty quick. Like, okay, this doesn't really work, <laughs> unfortunately. With uh, Jeff Coetzee from South Africa, um, he lived with us when he was a kid. Um, and then he played uh, when Craig Tiley, one of our former students, who was in charge of the South African Davis Cup team. Mm-hmm. With you guys, high as number twelve in the world, he coached uh, uh, Raven Klassen. Very small frame, not a very big guy. Amazing that uh, he was in an accident tragically. Uh, I believe it was his nephew. 99% was his nephew who lost his life. And he, he was told that he may never play again. He came back and won another ATP title. Mm. Um, but there's a history to, I think, of uh, our training with Jeff and who we've been taught to teach tennis with. I think of Craig Tiley. Tiley's background as a college coach is so different than most college coaches. And granted, it was many, many years ago now where he coached at the University of Illinois. But he was trained by tennis teachers, by clinicians. Most college coaches, they played college tennis, and the next thing you know, they're going they're coaching college tennis, right. not having done the apprenticeship. Um, he's worked with a Colombian team, um, Robert Farah, the two Colombians, uh, his partner Juan Sebastian Cavell. Heard Peter Smith really helped uh, Robert with his volleys when he got to USC. Um, that he didn't volley that well. You don't really hear that many stories in college tennis about people actually developing from a technical standpoint. Yeah. We did talk about Lisa Raymond last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. University of Florida, so many great players where she plays, uh, uh, the way she plays, I would have incoming freshmen watch her play. Right. Uh, Dick Gould, 17 national championships at Stanford. I don't know Dick that well, but I've run into him here and there. And I was at the NCAAs sitting with him. Uh, this is back when my son was playing for Ohio State. And Virginia is playing, and they have, it's Alex Damajan is coming out. And obviously, he did so well. It's like he won everything in juniors and did so well in college. And he's big, big boy. I don't think he was seven feet, but he was close. <laughs> big guy. And I actually... First time I and I only worked with him once. It's not, and I would really hesitate to say that, but I was running a Vic Braden uh, program on court. Vic was actually there. He was running it. It was the Vic Braden 
tennis college. So mm-hmm. Vic's there. He's doing the classroom. So I was doing the on-court side of it. He was there. And both his father and grandfather are so tall. And from the get-go, I mean, and he, he won and won, but he didn't really go forward that much. So I told Dick Gould, they said, Virginia's going to come out. They've got a guy playing three doubles. He's going to serve and stay back. And I forgot that I told him. So the players come out, they warm up, and then the match starts, and he gives me an elbow. It's really a shocker to think of someone that big. You know, he served well. Yeah. Um, John Isner playing with Sam Query, big guys. Yeah. And they play one up, one back. Yeah. And that's when we talked about Welby Van Horn and Manny Diaz, John's college coach, who helped him in so many ways. Um, I know people who worked with John when he was younger. Um, way he hits his backhand volley. He's coming in a lot more than he used to. So obviously he's continued to improve. Yeah. But it's amazing the players playing one up, one back. Um, here's another story of interest. Uh, a young guy by the name of Ian Dempster, taught by Dave Anderson. Mm-hmm. Who, For those listening, we have uh, interviewed David on a podcast. And earlier, this part one of this podcast, we talked about the three zone doubles. Right. Two players at the baseline feed the approach shot. They win. Tag up to the baseline. Feed the approach volley. Tag up. Feed the over it. Did that all morning today. Yeah. So it's a great drill if you have strokes. So Ian, he grows up with the Anderson. Does hours and hours of three zone doubles. He goes to uh, NC State as a freshman. He just falls short of being an All American doubles with Robbie Mudge. Now at NC State, when he was there, there was great people, but they didn't have a championship culture at the time. So. There were some ups and downs with his time there where he did not play his senior year. When he was there, one thing that was positive, another person that was been on a podcast is Matt Clore was there coaching him, who could reinforce what Dave Anderson had taught Ian. I, I met Ian when he was really, really young out in Dallas. So Tony Bresky, NCAA championship coach, this is my point, to find a player. So he's the coach at Wake Forest, and Ian did not play his senior year, so he had eligibility. So Ian plays in the lineup playing for Wake Forest when they win the national championship. And it says next to his name, all these little pearls, it says GS. So parents are listening. What that means is graduate student. Mm-hmm. You can have eligibility to play as an, on an undergraduate team, the main team. And so he did. So, yeah. um, so what's my point? Um, he's in the lineup when Wake Forest wins a national championship. Tony Bresky obviously knows to where where to find a doubles player. 330 million Americans. It's pretty tough to find someone like Dempster can serve and go forward. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, very good technique. Didn't really connect the wires with his singles career in college. Uh, but my point is trying to find a serve and volley player is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Um, it should not be that way. It's sad. I think you know, it just goes back to wanting to win the two-inch trophy when you're 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, that you, you know, you're caring more about the success at a really young age when you really should just be caring about getting the instincts, getting the skills that you yeah. need to go forward. No, winning's a curse. It's a curse. Most kids that are successful in the, yeah. in the 12s, early on. their best tennis is behind them. Yeah. I'll, Speaking of Henry, Henry um, Wake Forest, Henry Squire is playing for them. We, so we talked about David. We tease, tease David, yeah, our Aussie friend. Um, 
So Wake Forest is playing right here in our backyard, the national campus, five and a half miles away. And they changed the time. The match was supposed to start at five because of the forecast for rain. The match starts at three. So you and I went over, we didn't get to see the doubles. Right. And my point with that is um, when you're watching someone play doubles, you find out a lot about how they possibly potentially could play singles. Mm-hmm. Um, so Henry's six foot five, it serves way better than average. Don't know if he served and volleyed in the doubles. We do know after two and a half sets, he didn't serve and volley once in singles. Yeah. Um, McEnroe, this is a McEnroe quote. One of the reasons I I play doubles is I hate to practice. People need to realize that you're, serve, you're working on serves. I like to ask people, what's more important, serves or nerves? Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to go with that big serve. <laughs> uh, but when you're competing, yeah, you're improving your... The, the mental side, mental, emotional, working on returns, working on volley. So it's simply um, more than just tennis. You're trying to become a better competitor. Yeah. Uh, another name, Steve Denton. Uh, Steve Denton, humble guy. He hired us. That's another story. He hired hired me to teach him how to teach tennis when he came off the pro tour. Mm-hmm. So he played arguably Steve Denton, Kevin Kern, one of the best doubles teams ever. They both played at the University of Texas. So they had great success in college tennis. Steve tells a story about, I believe Rosewell was playing with Laver. It's definitely a Rosewell story. So Curran and Denton are playing. They're breaking out of college tennis, starting on the pro tour. Denton poaches. You know, he thinks he's just going to put a hole right through Rosewell as he goes in diagonally and goes right at the right-hander's right hip. Mm-hmm. Side note, Rosewell was actually a lefty. He played right-handed, but he was a lefty. Mm-hmm. And so anyway... Goes right at his chest. You aim at the you aim at the chest. You don't aim at their feet. You aim at the chest. Gravity takes the ball down, but so the ball came right back and hit him in the chest. So he goes. <laughs> he's just ready to make Rosewell look like a donut. Ball comes right back. Yeah. Uh, Braden would always say, when you hit another player, you're aiming at the right hander's right hip, lefty's left hip, and then you raise your hand and go, sorry, because you just don't want a war to be on. Yeah. I've got th- uh, this name down, Scott Lipsky. You, there needs to be a captain. I worked with uh, Scott when he was very young, only on double strategy with Jeremy Wurtzman, who I worked with quite a bit. Uh, I did make a video for Scott. That's another side note. I remember being at Jeremy's bar mitzvah and um, Scott's father who passed away when Scott, I think, was a freshman at Stanford. He just, I remember him being uh, right on going, there's things on that tape that we're definitely going to work on, but he was going to do it father and son working on it because he thought it would upset the apple cart. But sometimes I certainly can. People come to see us have a video made and they, the coach sees it and goes, well, I, I think differently. But with... Yeah, or it's yeah, it's incriminating sometimes. With Scott, um, I just remember him really being a leader on the court. You know, we're talking kids that are 14, 15 years old. They won uh, one title at Kalamazoo. They won two, I believe, 99% sure. They win one title, 6060. Um, I can remember they're both top 10, but they were broken up, and everybody picks on the USTA. Is that Scott was chosen to go to Europe, and, and Jeremy wasn't. Um, but my only point was with Scott Lipsky, national champion, Stanford, All American, won a major, is generally there is a captain. You know, it's someone has to take charge. Yeah. Uh, soon the NCAs will be here in our backyard again. Mm-hmm. 
wasn't played last year. I think we've mentioned this the last time. Um, is tennis really improving? Yes, at the very elite level. But in, say, college tennis, and then you go to high school or junior tennis, is it really improving? I remember watching the, the NCAAs with Brian Wilson, who won the doubles more than 10 years ago with Rajiv Ram. And it'll be interesting. We can come back to that another time, but we can see how many teams will go over and watch, how many teams are actually playing the right way. And they, some are redshirted, so they're there on a campus for five years, but they have four years. Yeah. And, um, well, as far as having re- refined skills, I mean, you think of how many all court players there are, there really, you really can't think of that many. You know what I mean? It's just, hey, can you hit an approach shot? Can you hit a, a half volley? Well, low volley, you know, finish at the net, all those kind of things. Really, it's, you know, people are strong, fast, fit, competitive, of course, but. There really well, aren't that many players that you could really list. Like, okay, who are all these players that have refined skills? On a hard court, pounding, the time in between shots has certainly increased from one era of tennis to the next. Yeah. But, again, so many players don't play singles and doubles. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of thought with having short sets and staying with tradition with just the grand slams, but... Yeah, tennis needs a shot in the arm. Doubles definitely needs a shot in the arm. Mm. With, But if you don't go, you don't go. Yeah. Um, I have Jameer Jenkins down. I mean, he, I worked with him two different times. When he was 16, Austin Krychek, who worked with us in his formative years, and I worked with him a bit here and, and, and there between college and pros. I mean, Jameer won an NCAA doubles title. He was in the singles final. He lost to... Lazarola, who you've worked with. Mm. Um, right now, he's Serena's hitting partner. My point is on the volleys. So, Jameer and Austin, they come, they spend a week with us. They're, they're going to go back to the U.S. Open Juniors the year before they get to the, I believe it was the semis. Um, I remember Jameer saying that Austin had world-class volleys. I was at Saddlebrook one time with Austin, and Israel who's the nicest guy on the planet. He's the alpha dog. But the visiting coach sets up a drill. And a lot of times the pros don't do this where you move up, move down. But they're actually doing that. And it's based on you can only win the point off your volley. So Isner yells out, <laughs> cry check. You should win this drill, no problem. <laughs> then I told Austin afterwards, I said, you get the message? Yeah. I mean, Isner's like four courts away and he just yells your name out. You should win this, no problem. It's amazing to me when players have holes in their game, especially like with what pros do in the off season. I think they work, they really do so much with fitness, but it's really interesting too. Now with the pandemic where people were away from tennis for a long time. Yeah. Did anybody really work on their game? I remember we bumped into John when uh, Vic was being in, inducted into the hall of fame. I think it was 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Newport, Riot, Rhode Island tournament, and John either won it that day or was after the semifinal match he won, and we were just getting some frozen yogurt. We bumped into him on the streets. He actually got us the tickets through through your son, Connor, but he was very complimentary of Connor, you know, his his ability to play well, go to the net, especially on grass. But he was just saying, yeah, you know, Connor, Connor could do well, especially on grass. And uh, Yeah, we touched upon that. It would have been great if... if 
live and let live if he yeah. wanted to grind it out um, um yeah. it's, it's tough i mean he did the math where not only career-wise will i do this for 10 more years but the system to break in 20 percent of the money goes to doubles you divide that plus you now we talked about eric buterak giving um the nod to raven Claussen, right, yeah. and then, you know raven's made over three million dollars now but that may not have happened if he didn't get the invite from yeah. uh Buterak. yeah i've got this down a lot john Lafayaga. Uh, i just think through these different names uh a quote john is south african he lives with when he was a kid he also spent time working with uh tiley mm-hmm. and then you know he's been in charge of the fed cup and the davis cup this is his quote he has more than one obviously on the pro tour, if you have a weakness, they will find it. Yeah. Now, what what does happen in pro tennis is the players can serve spots; they can hit targets. In junior tennis, yeah, I think of Patrick Gibson. I was at the Easter Bowl. I mean, years go by. Maybe it was three years ago now, and he's winning the doubles, and the people couldn't serve to his backhand, and he's staying back. Mm-hmm. He did spend. Uh, a semester with Steve Denton, and then remember he did uh, quite well going three sets, I think, with the top 10 team at the U.S. Open. Because uh, he had one year, he, he won the 16s and 18s playing singles. So he goes, he wins the 18s that one year, so he gets to play in the U.S. Open singles. Yeah. Because he gets the wild card for winning Kalamazoo, the U.S. 18s. So the next year he went back, he didn't win the singles, but he won the doubles. And I remember being at the Open watching him play. Um, but he didn't go to the net when he was in the 12th, so 14th. So he developed right. those instincts. Those instincts, yeah. Um, we'll talk more about this. We're going to eventually get around to having a podcast on Braid and so many things on Vic's uh, contributions to doubles with the tape he made in 1975. If you play mixed doubles the right way, you know, really, you, you, you it's it's... There's a few adjustments to be made as far as the, the, the male player being stronger than the female player. Yeah. But the way it's played best is to uh, play it straight, play it straight. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's on YouTube or not. It might be, but if you yeah. can find it, watch it. It's a great, great video for doubles. Um, the Bryan brothers, um, I think this is important as far as technique. Kathy Blake was a top American player. Wayne's done a great service for tennis, gets carried away and says his kids never had lessons while they owned a tennis club. And then also Bob was quoted in the tennis channel yeah. saying one time after school, he said, our father gets excited, but after school, our mother helped with her strokes for an hour and a half every day. Hmm. Now that's something about the tennis channel. Now they have purchased the Vic Braden library. It'd be yeah. great to see film of the Bryan brothers yeah. working on technique. Tyriac and Nastasi, Wayne, Ryan says it wasn't for the drills, the Romanian drills, the Romanian practice, his sons would be bagging groceries. <laughs> I doubt that. They went to Stanford, but a little sensationalistic comment. Yeah. But Wayne used to always, you know, Vic would always send an email to Wayne, you know, congratulating whenever the boys would win a big championship. And Wayne would always say, you know, Vic, if it weren't for you, the boys would be washing windows in Camarillo. <laughs> yeah, he's a great personality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Wayne Bryan, uh, I met him a few times, don't really know him at all, but I can remember being at the Davis Cup in Portland 2007, and 
I went with my son Connor and we tagged along. And if he had one, he had 50 kids and he just told them, everybody look straight ahead. If you look to your left, you look to your right, you're leaving practice. If yeah. you talk, you're leaving practice. Yeah. And no one budged. Yeah. Um, Laying it down. The intensity that he was showing, uh, I was spending time watching him. I mean, obviously, what an amazing story. The, the, what, Hall of Fame for parents. But, yeah, uh, they did it they're, right. They're in. Yep. But the Bryan brothers with the drills, I think um, there was, talk, talk about YouTube or even the consumer, um, they made several tapes, um, dynamic tapes on, 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 on doubles. And a lot of it is, you know, highlight points, but it's also movement and how they practice. How they run on the court, they try to hit 500 balls in the first five minutes and how they move side to side. And, mm-hmm. Um, you can actually practice for doubles. You know, I think of, uh, I mentioned Fru McMillan, Bob Hewitt, watching them play when I was a young guy. You know, McMillan used to hit volley, South African, two hands on both sides. Um, this, you know, I think of Chris Everett, people forget she won three majors. Mm. We talked about Jim Verdick um, in the podcast, the 10 minute warm up drill, mini tennis. Um, the warm-up drill is is one person's at the net for a minute, just hit, hitting, you know, touch volleys. I just say touch, I don't mean finesse. It's just just supply the direction. Yeah. You know, with your feet, Oscar Wagner, find it, touch it. Then with the person on the other side, it's all done service line to service line. One player at the net, one player back. And it's find it, brush it. And Verdict started every drill that way. And all his players could play doubles. Yeah. I think that's, a, the, you know, the whole point. It's like, hey, if you can just work on basics every day in just a little bit. And the 10 minutes, one of those 10 minutes is you get a player up at the net and they're hitting a forehand volley and a backhand volley. And the person on the other side has to direct the ball. Yeah. And the strokes really, if they're taught efficiently, they're very, very simple. Yeah. I think with doubles, uh, again, names going fairly fast through this, Louis Caillé, um, you know, Louis' story, great story. He's not a world-class player. He broke he broke into the close fraternity. Um, in other words, he got to coach at a high level, being involved with the Canadian Davis Cup team. Uh, he considers himself the founder of game-based training. He called at one time, he's from Quebec, a Canadian, French-Canadian. The, the Canadian system was called the action method. I remember it... Um, being used in, in tennis, tennis Ireland, I did some things with the Irish coaches mm-hmm. and being obviously the neighbor to Canada, I've done a lot of things with Canadians over the years. The action method um, to me was a little bit, a little bit abstract. Um, like, okay, what's the science? What's the logic behind this? Um, but you can always take positives. You know, it shouldn't be very one-dimensional where, okay, I'm just going to listen to this one guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can learn from, from everybody. Right. Um, but the, the game-based training where it's, okay, we're just going to work off live ball. It's like, okay, we're going to teach function versus facts. It just, that just doesn't work for me. I, you know, we're, but, I, but at the same time, I understand with, um, you know, you, you can go out and tell someone, okay, just, Circle, circle, make a circle. Like Dennis Vandermeer would take, tell a player, okay, I'll feed a few balls so you, make three circles. 
on, on the forehand side. Now make two circles. Yeah. Now make one circle. And not give someone a dissertation and, and just talk, talk, talk. Well, that's where we just, you know, we always talk about you got to have form-based training and game-based training. And then we call that principle-based training. Where yeah. It's a mix of the two. But he certainly branched off. You know, he's from, uh, you know, Quebec and uh, out in British Columbia. Grant Connell became number one. He became one of the best. He was playing with Glenn Michibata from Ontario. Um, but then, you know, he accepted a leadership role within, within Tennis Canada for several years now. Um, you know, he just really, he works for the LTA and he does basically doubles um, and works with a lot of the top players. Hmm. Um, with... Um, but when he became a leader in Tennis Canada, he was on the international scene with ITF education. With, um, you know, he, if you were to listen to him, and listeners can just, you can get on YouTube. That's the amazing thing about YouTube and listen to Louis, where he's adapted from conventional pro doubles. I think when you are working with pros, many times the pros, the boss, they write the check. Mm-hmm. And, you, and it is different working with someone who's already at that level. You know, I mentioned Sam Query serving, staying back. It's not like I'm telling people, well, Sam Query should serve and go to the net. I can remember years ago being in some meetings with the leadership of the USTA saying, you don't want the Sam Queries of the future. Right. You know, someone should have helped him, you know, with his grip on the backhand volley. To not have options. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if a guy starts making $20,000 a week, it's pretty tough to tell him, I think you need to change. Yeah. I mean, with, it'd be nice that you get it add to that you know it's like hey learn or yeah i mean just learn to have the skill no for example uh you know now he's not a he's not a spring chicken anymore so it's okay he's 30 ish and mid 30s where um you know just go back to jacobson one of the other podcasts mm-hmm. a pillar of the great base green light point which comes from carlos Goffey. yeah but Bill Jacobson incorporated that into his, uh, you know, statistical analysis. Um, yeah. With, you will hear Louis Kai say, when you work with high performance players, they pretty much can do whatever you want. You know, they teach a snap volley, you know, to supinate, have the racket snap up. You know, I think of uh, Chet Murphy years ago and people would laugh at, you used to laugh at this. They go, no, 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 no. I said, and I, I had a chance to um, spend time with Chet personally after he retired out in Arizona with in both Chet and Bill, they, they were a generation before like Vandermeer and, and Braden mm-hmm. that, you know, he had this snap volley, the drag volley, the swing volley, the cup volley. Yeah. And people would laugh at that. I said, no, no, there's times where you, you're, you know, you have to improvise and yeah. that, that ball gets high over your left shoulder. You're right-handed you know, you make this athletic play. I remember going, yeah, going back to Wayne Bryan. I remember one time he was asked about, you know, fundamental forehand volley or just a forehand volley with his sons. And he, you know, he just said, well, which one? You know, because it's like, hey, there's all these different kinds of forehand volleys. And, and you can't look at it. You could be high, a low ball, you know, a midcourt, up close to the net, a put away. Like you said, you got to be able to do all the different things. There, There is the, the bowl and the ice cream the fundamentals, right? The A-frame. And then you can add the magic shell and the sprinkles and the pieces. pieces. And that's what a lot of those are. You got, you, you learn to improvise. 
So again, Louis Kaye, I mean, a master of tennis, he's been in a lifetime. And with, um, I do think that people need to understand though, it's a big problem. It's like, well, we're going to just do what the pros do, but you're not a pro. So he's flexible and he'll let players play both back, one up, one back, which obviously there's no rules against that. Yeah. But if, if a youngster is given that, that green light, oh no, you can serve and stay back. It's your, it's your preference. It's yeah. like, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works in other sports. It's like, you know, okay, no, you don't want to do that. So you don't have to do that. No, you've got to learn to do everything. Yeah. And it's much easier to have worked with a young player, serve and go forward. Just think about how many ground strokes they hit when they're playing singles. The mm-hmm. ratio of balls hit between ground strokes and volleys. You know, you're building the point with ground strokes. You're ending the point with volleys. Um, you know, if you get on the internet with Louis Caillé, you watch Jamie Murray, it's amazing to watch him play. I mean, he gets his nose right over the net. But they do a drill where they just pound balls, you know, put the guy as close to the net as they can, and just, I mean, they practice yeah. those reflex volleys. Yeah. They don't just roll out of bed and play like that. Right. Um, I do think that's where um, it's too bad. I think with the 10-point the match tiebreaker, there's there's been the no ad that the, the top doubles teams, they get a little more TV time, but not much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's just amazing where they're covering matches on TV and, you know, there's a rain delay and they're showing you the singles match from yesterday. Yeah. Well, show, show us some doubles. At least, I mean, they don't even talk about the doubles draw. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the, it's kind of an afterthought, which is just wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. Um, with, uh, but yeah, with Louis Caillet, um, the, the the pro doubles, some of the insiders, like say I know Raven Claussen, is they, you know, they feel like if it's too systematic, you can read what they're doing. So there's, again, with pro tennis, um, it's not junior tennis. So you don't want to sound like, you know, I'm contradicting myself, but you would think people could watch the Bryans and go, okay, I'm going to serve and go to the net. Just like years ago when they watched Pete Sampras, I'm going to serve and go to the net. Yeah. Um, But on the flip side, there's just too much on the women's side. I mean, you don't even see it blend anymore. It's just like all one up, one back. Yeah, or two back, yeah. Smacking the groundies. Yeah, especially on the return. Yep. Uh, Actually, the president of the board of trustees, Patrick Albrecht, he uh, played a lot with Grant Connell and – we talked about Jim Verdict. There's so many connections. Patrick Albrecht is uh, from Washington. And Doug, you know, spent his, his career in Seattle and taught him how to play. Interesting not to digress here a little bit, but with Louis Caillet, as you were talking about Louis, because I'm a movie buff, just started thinking about Die Hard. Yippee Caillet. Yippee Caillet. I just kept, kept hearing in my head. Louis Caillet. Louis Caillet. Here's a uh, just a few thoughts. Tim Gullickson reached the doubles final with his brother. They take out some full page ads. I think it was three camps they were going to run. They're going to run these adult tennis camps. I was doing a corporate outing with both Tim and Tom. Now Tim lived in Boca Raton, and then he did, did a little work with with Vic Braden. So I got to know Tim, late Tim Gullickson, great guy. So we were in of all places, Ponca City, Oklahoma. Ponca City. We. Um, just so many stories. So S. Smith, Steve Smith. But so we all go to the Tulsa airport and the gentleman's holding up a sign that says S. Smith. So 
um, Stan Smith is walking towards this guy and I see Stan, but I'm coming and Stan gets there first. And I'm just a, just a couple steps behind him and Tim, welcome on different planes. And it was so funny where um, Stan Smith, this goes back many years ago, Wimbledon champion, it's the East Dan Smith. Mm-hmm. So he's part of the corporate outing as well. And so Stan goes, you're looking for uh, Stan Smith. He goes, I'm looking for Steve Smith. And Stan said, are you with the Ponca City Tennis Function? He goes, yes. Oh, he goes, you must be Stan Smith. He goes, no, Steve Smith. So then I show up. <laughs> and Tim and I laugh because we we flew in a private plane. Tim and I flew in a private a private plane. Yeah. From Tulsa to Ponca City, and Stan Smith rode in the station wagon. <laughs> well, that's the way it should be. The teaching pro should fly first class, and you put the Wimbledon champion in the station wagon. <laughs> but Tim, I can remember when we left, we you know we got back in our private plane from Ponca City to Tulsa, then Tulsa to Dallas, and then we both were going to Florida. Hmm. And but I just started going through A through Z on application. That's something that, you know, it's not really, I, I don't think that's a place for a podcast, but we did mention our, our tennis intelligence applied and all the different drills. Yeah. Um, with, there's a big difference between playing and teaching. And, you know, how are you going to work with eight players on a court? Right. You know, okay, eight, we got eight player doubles. Mm-hmm. You know, six player doubles, we touched upon that. More people can play. You have more points played with six people on the court. I mean, actually playing points where it's, you know, we didn't, not triples, but application. We need to um, do a better job. It's not just the information, you know, serve and volley, but okay, how to serve and volley. Well, first of all, let's teach you how to serve. Yeah, let's teach you how to volley. Um, I mentioned Ken McGregor, the Australian. He's given credit for the, the Australian format. We talked about the eye formation of Pancho Gonzalez staying in close in singles, then in doubles to direct the ball to the backhand. Tyriac with young Vilas that came up a little bit last time. Yeah. I remember McEnroe playing uh, with Bjorkman, and they, you know, so he's almost almost fifty years old, and he's he's winning an ATP title. He just when the person's in the eye formation, you got to be able to hit the return right at him. That comes back to the Louis Caillet. They just practice that. Yeah. The, you know, the eye formation, it's like, okay, you get a chance to just go right at the person. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, Billie Jean King on offsetting, Billie Jean King and Nancy Ritchie both staying back mm-hmm. because they're, you know, even though Billie loved to serve and volley, but Nancy liked to come in off the, the, the approach. The approach. So that's one thing, you know, to compromise and say, okay, we work on serve and volley, work on serve and volley. But hit your serve and try to come in on the very next ball. Yeah. Well, hopefully your serve is good enough where you get a weak return. And hopefully your opponent isn't hitting the return and coming in before you. Yeah, no, that, I'm glad you said that because um, I was with some juniors not too long ago before the pandemic, and the other team is playing one up, one back, and our guys, it's second serve, and they're staying back. Yeah, You know, you're not allowed to coach, but it's afterwards, guys, guys. You listen at all? What are you doing? I mean, yeah. there's the guy's hitting a minus on the second serve. You know, you might as well serve underhand, and it's an approach shot every time. It's just in, like, sorry, we don't play that way. Yeah. And you know, one up, one back only works against a team that plays one up, one back. Right. Um, McEnroe and Steech on, on the return of serve. The, um, McEnroe asking Steech to come back. 
Mm-hmm. Say, hey, I don't think I can get the ball cross court. High level pros, high level college, generally mm-hmm. on the first serve, both players start back. Um, playing with the same partner, I think when you play with the same partner, there's a big, big plus for that. You just just instinctively get to know yeah. how people play. Leander Pays, um, gosh, he played forever. I remember John Delafte Diaga played junior Wimbledon with him. Uh, then Raven played some doubles with Pays. Pays was so good. Uh, one of our students, Simon Rogers, he got to work with uh, the BAP program. Britannica Armitrage Tennis. The goal was to try to teach um, Indian families how did Mrs. Armitrage get it done? You know, having her kids you know, develop as student athletes. Mm-hmm. But Leander Pays, he played with over 100 players. Like Laver, he won doubles uh, majors in, in three decades. Mm-hmm. Analogy to basketball, how the outside shot is now is the go-to tactic. It's changed. Yeah. So when people hear that, you know, years ago there was no three-pointer. So the, the rule has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, three points is three points. But I think when you you'll hear com- you'll hear people make comments like that. It's like no, 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 no. I mean, there can be some analogies, but you'll hear people say that. Well, in basketball, look how that's changed. Yeah. So now it's stay back, hit the big forehand, and. Um, I mean, I just don't see it, but I do see this. So that over time, people used to have a continental grip on the forehand playing with wooden rackets. Mm-hmm. Three of the four grand slams were on grass. So even like I mentioned, Welby Van Horn being in the nursing home with Welby and he knew that he was wrong and how he taught the forehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he taught beginners to use the beginner's grip. But then as they got older, he talked about the championship, championship grip because yeah. you're just going to get in as fast as possible. Yeah. Now. Um, well, I think, you know, a lot of players and the, the analytics are catching up or at least coming out more where it's just showing, you know, hey, the proofs in the pudding, the people that go to the net more are winning more. But um, they just, you know, if you know the math of, hey, when you go closer to the net, you have more ankle and your opponent has the smaller angle and then about pressure again, it just comes down to having the skills. So the math, you know, the grip determines the angular racket face, angular racket face, angular racket path. The math is better on ground strokes than it used to be, especially on the forehand side. You know, it used to be, there was, it was unusual to have someone have a two handed backhand. So the game has definitely evolved. One thing you don't hear too much about is the math at the net, but you make a very good point that, People aren't well, con- generally people who are net today aren't continental on both sides. They're they are more composite on the forehand volley. Oh, for but sure. But the backhand volley, yeah, is just they almost have forehand grip on the backhand side. Oh, for sure. I mean, Nadal is pretty much on an eastern forehand grip on his forehand, and then keeps that grip and does you know it's really open and he's got to swing down a lot on his backhand volley and his backhand underspin or slice. I don't really like the the verbs and t- when it comes to sport. I'm selling and buying, but I'm not buying uh, the analogy that, well, in basketball, now that everybody's shooting from the outside, it, it makes sense that you can stay back in doubles. With the doubles, uh, court's 36 feet, singles is 27. That's why it's easier to serve in volley and singles. Um, I should say easier to serve in volley and doubles. Easier to serve in volley and doubles because you have to just think what 
area you have to cover. So in singles, you have to cover 27 feet by yourself. In doubles, you divide it in half, it's 18. If your partner's really aggressive, you really only have to cover 15 feet. Um, that's obviously for not for 10 and 12-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, the person at the net is referred to as a cleanup person. Um, that's where you become very popular if you have a great serve. People want to play doubles with someone who has a great serve. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. With um, there's just so many examples, you know, with Courier is a great player. It was a great player. Agassi was a great player, but the United States Tennis Association wasn't looking for them necessarily to play doubles. Michael Chang. So also from that same era was Pete Sampras. And, um, so we, you know, then you could say, well, let's just go with Agassi. Would he have been a better player if he had played doubles? If you go with Mike Agassi, Mike Agassi, you know, he was upset with Nick that Nick said, okay, and he just really worked so much on on Agassi's strengths. We're just going to go totally with his strengths. Yeah. I think some people go the other way. They spend too much time on weaknesses. You got to work on both. Yeah. Uh, you know, grips on volleys for cur- for courier. Um, you know, they're that group of four, as far as, you know, all great players. Yeah. You know, Grand Slam champions. You know, yeah. It comes down all to famers. who who was the person who could play doubles, you know, and it wasn't just Pete's serve. It was what he could do behind his serve. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. And he's got more grand slams. Yeah, no, that's where the, the, the head to head with uh, say Sampras and Agassi. Yeah. People use the analogy that one was the pitcher and one was the batter. You know, the, the, the certain volleyer is the pitcher, the offense, but Pete had to return too. Yeah. Uh, in the in doubles, um, it's just amazing watching kids. They just they can show you in just a couple minutes they don't know how to play. Mm. They're hitting angles, angle begets an angle. They're right. going for the cute stuff. They when you hit an angle, then you give your opponent the opportunity to go down the line. I mean, get to the net, be a wall. Yeah, most points end as a minus F. Yeah, challenge people, hit through them. That doesn't mean that. Coming I mean, back to Robbie Seguzo, you want you need to be able to hit a lob volley, but in, in the 10s and 12s, kids are constantly hitting shots. <laughs> that if that's how you're wired, again, the ball's coming down your throat. Yeah. Um, you don't, this is another thing. You don't need to blast your volleys and doubles. Make your first volley. If you can make two shots, in singles, we always say if you go to the net and you win two out of three, four out of six, that comes from Jacobson. Yeah. If you can. Make your serve and make your first volley and stand next to your partner at the net. You have a guy. You have a great chance mathematically to hold serve. Yeah, but you have to be able to make two shots. Mm-hmm. So we're going to spend a lot of time working on how to make two, two shots. shots. Yeah. Uh, so really, just a, a very solid three quarter court volley, but you need to center it. Like we're up here, and really, what you're trying to do is you're trying to prove that your ground strokes. I should say your volleys yeah. when you're coming in to form the wall. Your volleys are better than the the um, your opponent's ground strokes. Yeah, it's kind of like the book uh, Art of War. A lot of college coaches have their players read that. Mm. When the other team retreats, you attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't wait. And you don't wait and see. Well, my lob's in. Maybe I go to the net. As soon as they turn and retreat, you go forward. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, just with skill development that. You know, to, to make those two shots, 
make a serve, make a volley, you've got to do hundreds of reps. And I think that's, you know, with some of the stuff today, four shots and those kind of things, it's like, well, yeah, there's very little tennis played in tennis. People make an error very early in a rally because tennis is tough. The angles are very short. So it's like, yeah, you got to rep and rep and rep to be able to make one or two or three shots in a row. Tennis is tough, but are we doing a good enough job making the junior players tough? Sure, the sports tough, the calculations, but Tiger Woods, yeah, end of practice, he has to make 100 consecutive three-foot putts. If he misses, he starts again from zero. Yeah, with um, but just working on uh, the basic shots. When you when you do work on volleys, and there's too much of this happens when people go through a courtesy warm up. They stand in one place volley. Yeah, and there's I think a lot of times there's too much two on ones where. Uh, one player's back, coach is putting the ball in play, and they're just banging balls of the two people at the net. Yeah. And they're standing in one place. You want to be able to move through. So your drill should always be, it's a moving wall. Don't just practice up there as a wall. Yeah. So you practice having the momentum. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of making two shots, the returner's got to make one. I mean, you have to be able to return. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about the great returners, how simple it is. Right. So, so short, compact. Volley with an added follow through. Yeah. Go around the beach ball. Stay away from the word always and never. Um, Freddie McNair, a great American player. When you're, when you poach and you get passed down the line, go on the very next ball. Yeah. That was one of his rules. I'm just <laughs> going on the next ball. Yeah. Cause you don't want to let them think that they own you. Yeah. Um, and you need to That's poach good. all the time. Most, most people, when they first start playing doubles, they hide over in the alley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's what people, you know, let's just say the club players, they're, you know, they're afraid of the net. Number one, they're afraid to stand in the middle of the box because they're afraid that their partner is going to hit them with their serve, which understandably, a lot of times they don't have control of where the ball is going to go on their serve. So they're standing way over there and then they're afraid of getting hit at the net on the return. Here's a drill that you got to improve your skills. Here's a drill for the most part that has American juniors freak out. Coach goes on the baseline and they feed balls. You know, it's not like they're, you know, feeding rockets, but they're feeding ground strokes. Mm-hmm. And the players on the other side, they put their rackets down, one at a time comes up. And they're baseline, it's baseline to baseline. So coach is feeding from the baseline. Players on the other side, get them to get in front of the ball and stop it with their chest. Just like they do when they play soccer. Yeah. And the tennis kids are, yeah. are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's Happy Gilmore, man. Just get, get in yeah, the... Uh, yeah, I used to like to block, block shots in hockey. Yeah, yeah bring that on. <laughs> gets yeah, in, that felt good. Oh. Gets in front of the baseball yeah. the pitching machine, yeah, the right? Yeah, pitching machine. Yeah, well, that kind of hurt. Yeah, that's what you got to do. But, Wait, I think, but look, yeah, not being afraid of the ball. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's it. You know, I've done the drill where, you hey, you just start up close and easy. You give people some confidence. And then as you move back as the coach, if you're feeding some of the net, you, you slowly pick up the speed. So you get them comfortable. Okay, you know, I'm not going to die. I always use that analogy with rock climbing because I did a lot of rock climbing where, you know, you're going to fall if, you, if you're doing a lead rope and you're, you're climbing up and, you know, you have every 10 or 15 feet or so, you've, you've got to clip in. But if you, <laughs> sometimes you're going to fall. But if you just get used to the fall, you practice falling a few times, you just realize, okay, I'm fine. I'm not going to die. You fall a little bit, you get a, uh, you know, you get used to that little bit of a fear and then, and then you have confidence. Like, all right. Yeah. No, there's sometimes where, okay, I mean, you're getting the fuzz sandwich, the big bread yeah. fuzz sandwich. Someone's going to hit an overhead right down your throat. Yeah. If Kyrgios is, 
you know, if I'm playing Curios and he's a little ticked off, like, bro, and then he tries to hit you, you know, you might turn away from that. Uh, Matt Glor's out here to uh, pick up his daughter earlier today, and, you know, his father, Ernie's a tennis coach, mm-hmm. longtime veteran teaching pro, and just put young Matt right up against the fence, and he just feet balls. It can't go backwards. The fence is right there. Just <laughs> yeah. Sorry, son, you may die. I mean, yeah. it's a tennis ball. I mean, obviously, you don't want to get hit in the eye, but right. it's, it's a tennis ball. It's not a lacrosse ball. Yeah. With um, many young players, they need to realize this. Based on their grips, based on their ready position, they, if they do play college tennis, it's not a matter of being pessimistic. Less than 3% of people play college tennis. There's so many people that play college tennis, and they're not playing doubles because of the way they hang out of the racket. Yeah. And if they play, the coach is going to have them play the wrong way because they've just gone so long. It's like, no, 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 don't, you can't go to the net. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you'll lose at a faster rate. A drill to repeat from last time, two players at the baseline, rat-a-tat-tat, feed each other, both come to the net, trying to hit right at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps you out so much, the Braden drill. Yeah. Um, rat-a-tat-tat. With some pitfalls, um, eyes shifting. Yeah. Look straight ahead. If you look straight ahead, you know your opponent's where the ball is because of the opponent's rackets up high, the ball's up high. Yeah. Analyzing to anticipate. With um, balls right at you, people play forehand. Balls right at you, you need to play backhand. Mm-hmm. Stopping for your volley, not split stepping and moving through your volley. Moving laterally, not moving diagonally. Playing outside balls. Yeah. Get the ball away from the person at the net, but get the ball on the inside. Yeah. Um, Don't give the angle. Playing cute. Okay. Yeah. Um, with um, yeah. Lot, lots of finesse kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Warren Pretorius, like the lob volley. Warren Pretorius telling us that is uh, Peter Mallet told him they won a lot of national doubles together. Yeah, is if I have it correct, don't play great, play solid. Yeah, just play solid. So yeah, you don't need cute cute shots. You don't need to be hogging the court. You know, when it comes down to um, from net post to net post, if you can play the ball in front of your partner, higher above the, the net, yes, fine. You got it. Yeah. But, you know, you just see so many, you know, you, you do a drill and you've got a, a kid who's 17 drilling with a kid who's 14, and it's like, just do it the right way. Yeah. No, just mm-hmm. do it the right way. Uh, love your backhand. You know, the kids that are playing forehands today in singles, and they just, I mean, do you ever hit a backhand? There's a righty, and they keep moving to left, moving to left, and they're just yeah. hitting forehands. And then, of course, they watch tennis on TV, and they hear people talk, you know, get a forehand, get a forehand, get a forehand. No, yeah. it's get a backhand. Yeah. especially in your formative years. If, if you have a, if you develop a fantastic backhand and you get to the point where you want to run around your backhand, great shoulder housing hit. And if that's an option, but don't go through your formative years, really like a five year period where you're playing the wrong way. Yeah. And people, you know, the flip side of that, where people will argue about that is the, the same thing we're saying about serving and volleying, trying to get instincts. So they're going like, oh, you know, we'll get the instincts or run around your back in and play a big forehand. But I think the point is you got to do it from the right position on the court. And that's where, you know, okay, it's okay to run around. If you're inside the baseline, you're in an offensive position, practice that some, but don't just be going crazy. 
trying to run around every backhand for every, every defensive area of the court. Guard your alley. Um, with not not lobbing enough. Um, with after yeah, you, guard after, your alley. That's a pitfall, <laughs> big time. After after you hit your overhead, to be a spectator, not close right back in. One thing with guard your alley. I mean, let me just go back to that quickly. You know, you see a lot of players that if they were to take a step right away from the eye, like away out of the court, you know, they're actually covering two to three feet outside of the court boundaries. Yeah. I mean, that's how ridiculous it can get. So just make sure you're playing doubles. If you don't feel comfortable standing right in the middle, just make sure you're not trying to cover outside of the court. Unless you're playing Rafa, because he can make that thing curve, right? Yeah. You know, today, <laughs> today it's politically incorrect, you know, sexist, sexist, chauvinistic, but years ago, um, have a towel and, Certainly, we would do this in a do's and don'ts clinic. Mm. So, okay, so you have four guys explaining doubles, and one guy, you know, he puts the towel around his waist and he's the skirt, and the macho Mignogno puts the skirt over in the alley. Um, but another thing is, along the lines, is always trying to play the ball the weaker player. You see juniors do that all the time. They're it's practice, and again, you have that seventeen-year-old, and his partner's a fourteen-year-old, mm-hmm. and it's just anything to win, and they just play to the weaker player yeah. instead of instead of playing the right way. Um, yeah, play gotta, developmentally. Yeah, work on your skills. With, I did mention that we would repeat this. Uh, a dad of a girl he worked through one nine nine gold balls ten, but play doubles and. And he said we should have a doubles program. We should just teach doubles. And I said, "Well, it sounds great in theory, but you got to you have to teach strokes." Yeah. Um, with doubles, doubles, doubles. Um, it comes down to the four positions, the roles and responsibilities. You know, granted, there's basic shots, specialty shots, emergency shots. You have to work on shots. Yeah. I heard you earlier talking about um, Roger Federer. We made the list. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, no, um, I've told this story a few times, but where Vic was in the media room at the Indian Wells tournament, and he would interview the players often, and one of the questions that he asked Roger was, where did you learn to have all the variety, all the different tools that he has? And he said, well, I just made a list of the shots that I needed to own to compete against the players that I would saw myself wanting to compete against at a pro level. And then I just went out and worked on those shots. Same thing. So, so simple. Um, you got to have skills and make a list. What are the shots you need to own to play really good doubles? If you want to be a doubles player or have that option to go to the net and singles, and then just go out and work on those patterns, work on those strokes. Our listeners, year number one, we're going to go through our eight pillars we got three to go. We're going to go through uh, more uh, information on the game itself. Yeah. With, say, for example, the serve. Okay. Some kid has been told, arch your back. It's like they're doing the limbo. They're a right-hander. They're tossing way left. Nice. Kick so it. when, yeah, they, <laughs> they get hit the trajectory. And there's spin, but there's no speed. It's a tra- trajectory that makes the ball bounce high. So just look when that right-hander's serving – is when they land, does their left foot land facing the opposite net post? Does yeah. it land to the left? 
Most likely it does because they toss way over their head. And the right leg is kicked the way right, out. Yeah, that's the next thing is the right th- leg kicks way out. Yeah. And it's like a yoga pose. How are they going to propel themselves to the net? Oh, I know. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> so it all adds up. Yes, it does. It all adds up. So Is this making sense, listeners? It, when you think about, okay, the toss, um, <clears throat> the power line on the serve. Preach. With, if, if there's a one flaw, there's a counter flaw, mm-hmm. and it's all, really all the details. Yeah. So if, if someone were to come and watch our practice, and you see kids, they go through, they hear they, you know, we have nine acres of land, they ride the bike a couple laps, they jog a couple laps, they could go through bands and skip rope and stretch, and then they go out and drop hit balls for five minutes, and they hit and hold. Yeah. Now, the brain's got to be switched on to grow myelin at a faster rate. Yeah. But people look at that because static balance training, which is how Roger Federer learned the game, it's it, almost extinct. It's not happening it's, at too many places these days. How do you say it? Not happening. It's not happening. 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 So yeah, You don't see that often. But the reason that you do that is that you basically, it's like building a house. You got to go down before you go up. The stories yeah. of the three little pigs. Basics. To build your house out of brick. Yeah, and um, if all that all the hard yards are done in the beginning, the way that we teach tennis, we're not so interested in the twelves, the fourteens. You know, are you going to be able to play on grass? Are you going to be able to play on carpet? I'll just end by saying, with Braden on the philosophy, can you hit all the shots from all the positions in the court, every surface, singles and doubles? Yeah, and I don't think it's a secret. You know, no. if you if you're going to be a better Singles player, okay, let's watch you play doubles. We do an assessment. It's, it, it should be every time where, and, but again, most of the time we do assessment, kids just don't hit the ball well enough. It's okay, let's see you play some ghost doubles. Yeah. You know, they, um, it's just a given. They're going to serve, stay back, and yeah. not, not one-on-one doubles serving going forward. That's another thing with doubles. Uh, we did mention it. Uh, YouTube, Ed Crass, one-on-one doubles. There should be a line all the way down the every yeah. every court in America. Like they have the under 10 lines. They say you have a blue court and they have different shades blue. But the, you get up close, you can see you know, the tennis court has a 10 and under lines. Yeah. Developmentally, the governing body of tennis in this country and other countries, there should be a line just all the way down the middle and people should be able to play one-on-one. Yeah. Now with one-on-one, a lot of times people will play to win. And I, I say, you know, it's ghost doubles, but keep in mind, if there was a ghost, if the ghost wasn't a ghost, yeah. if, the, if the person you're playing had a partner, that partner would have easily poached. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I mean, I, you know, I love doubles growing up, junior tennis, and it's sad nowadays where I'll ask some of the kids, like, you know, did they have doubles? Like, no, they didn't have any doubles. They're just not getting that same experience. Yeah, Two I mean, out of three sets, the whole thing. Think in all of tennis, take a look, take a second look. If we were to say, okay, listeners, give us 10, 10 reasons why doubles is declining. Well, in this country, high school tennis. Well, team tennis, there's an emphasis on doubles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, grips. Also, too, is uh, kids are programmed out. You know, they're just drilling and drilling and drilling. Say, uh, um, you know, certain parts of this country where the winners are long, you know, our, our kids, uh, you know, clever enough, say, let's, you know, twice a week, you know, the parents are right paying for it anyway, is that 
know, divide it by four, uh, you know, twice a week, once a week, please, at least once a week where four kids are going to rent a court and they're going to play doubles for an hour and a half. Yeah. And they're going to play serve and volley doubles, you know, a campaign to save doubles. Yeah. We tell people if, if you could in practice or play, um, I'll be over and out with this comment because we go on forever, but let's just keep going. Ghost doubles is a great, great game. One-on-one do a little bit at the end of practice. If you're just with one player, but if coaches would have their junior development programs do at least 15 minutes a day of one bounce doubles. Yeah. So everybody has to come in and we, most time we do it is you can't poach on the first ball. Yeah. Even do it where it's, you know, one serve only return and played out after three, you get all four people. And then they have, they have a blast with it, but, but, um, Again, I, I think another reason that doubles is fading is that the rankings, the ratings are all about um, singles, and um, it's quite difficult to have a partner who's consistently at the same tournaments that you're going to be at, too. Yeah. So well, there's lots and lots of reasons, but uh, I hope uh, some of the th- thoughts we've shared on doubles has helped out. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Part two here on doubles. Keep playing doubles. Keep serving by line, working on your skills. It's fun, you know? Yeah, dubs, how's it go? You, it's, uh, first it's will, then it's the skill, then it's drill, and then the then thrill. come the thrills. Just the opposite of a video game. Yeah, learn to have a complete game. I was up at the USTA. You know, I've been up there a little bit working with the player and looked a couple chords down, and it was just like, man, saw a player, and it's like you just see the holes. And I was telling the player that I was helping out, I was like, Fortunately, that player is going to try to go set sail and they've got giant holes in the boat. Fix the hole in the boat before you put the sails up. Yeah, Love Andy Roddick. It's fun to see Andy Roddick on the tennis channel. Andy Roddick's game. I mean, he's best American for 10 years, so we're not beating up on Andy Roddick. His game was Swiss, Swiss, Swiss cheese and Roger Federer's game is American cheese. Yeah. In other words, you know, I remember James Blake saying that, you know, with Roger Federer, you can't find the holes. Yeah. And, you know, Andy had a few holes in his game, but great serve. You know, his forehand was a weapon as well. Didn't make many unforced errors. Now here's somebody. Yeah, competitor. There's another person who, um, you know, based on money, based on wear and tear on the body and, the best players in the game, you know, he really just like so many other top players, he didn't play doubles, but he's Andy Roddick. He's on the pro tour. He's a teenage sensation. Yeah. So, um, just because your role model, you know, it's like say a Djokovic, uh, who a young player here you work with who just loves Djokovic and it's yeah. great, but Djokovic doesn't play doubles and you know, he, he's, certainly improving his ability at the net. He talked about how he needs to go forward more. Yeah. But that's another thing too, is that if your, your role models aren't playing doubles, if your role models are not playing all over the court, that doesn't mean that that's going to work for you because yeah. um, maybe you're not going to be the same physical specimen they yeah. are that, you know, maybe they're more of the, their upbringing, these more of an athlete, more of a warrior. Yeah. Just do what's right. And having a serve and having a volley should be part. <laughs> in a return, yeah. Should be in a return. Should be part of your everyday tennis. Yeah, and it's fun. Play doubles. All right, everybody. We are. We're going to stop now.
Over and out. Over and out. Shout out Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Find us online, you know, social media. If you're into that kind of thing at Great Base Tennis, you can go to our website. We've got some courses there online where you can take some tests. You can get some credit. If you have a chance to give us a give us some feedback, you know, maybe some stars on the uh, iTunes rating, we'd appreciate that as well. The credit, that's where the, in this country, the USPTA, PTR, yeah. you can get educational points. Yeah, you can get the points. So have some fun with the courses too, learn something. All right. Until next time. You didn't do any voices this time. Next time. I'm 36 is next time. 35. I did a little bit from Die Hard, you know, yippee ki All right. Adios. All right. Adios. Alvidezan. Chus. Hasta luego. Nos vemos. Hasta la próxima. Ciao.